The following is taken from the Object and Acts of Justifying Faith by Thomas Goodwin. Book 2, The Difficulty of Faith That it is above all the powers and faculties in man. Chapter 1 Of the difficulty of faith, how hard it is to attain to believe. Now that I have shown you the use and excellency of this grace of faith, I will discover to you the difficulty to attain it. And this is useful to be done both to make men the more to seek out for it, is also to get out of themselves to God to work it. And it is indeed necessary, because else men will rest in an easy, slight faith which is always say false faith. For naturally men do imagine it is the easiest of all things else required in us to salvation, that it is the easiest thing of all the rest to believe, and they wonder that any should make any difficulty in it. Men think if they could but do other things as well as believe, they should do well enough to pray and to keep the Sabbath and apart with lusts and beloved sins. These things indeed are hard and difficult, and to a man impossible. But to believe in Christ for salvation, this they make nothing of. And whatever they do, they will surely believe and never despair. And if they come to a poor soul that is in any whit troubled, they rate him. And used to say, You are a fool indeed, can you not believe? And hence of all works else men mind this of faith the least. They make a business of it to be humbled and to have strength to perform duties. But to believe they think that would easily follow if they could but do other things that God requires. And hence also men do wonder so at such poor souls as are humbled and cut off from carnal hopes that they should keep such a do and such a toil to get Christ, who is the object of faith, and to lay hold upon Christ, which is the main act of faith, that they should run up and down from this ordinance to that in such a restless manner, turmoil themselves about obtaining him, as if there were any question to be made of having him at any time or any difficulty in it. What need then is there, say they, of so many complaints of the lack of Christ, of so many heartbreaking and pantings after him, of such troubling a minister as how to obtain him? Men wonder at this because they do not know and do not assent to the power and greatness of the work of faith. Now, this difficulty of the work of faith might in the general by many ways be made good as one, from setting forth to you the excellency and preciousness and glory of this grace, which are two epithets Peter gives, 1 Peter 1 verse 7, and the most excellent things are difficult to compass, and number two, from the wonderful effects of it and privileges we obtain by it. It is that grace which God alone has put in trust to give livery and sison and possession of Christ in heaven and all things else. It is that elixir, the least dram whereof turns a heart of stone into a heart of flesh, brings Christ down from heaven into the heart, 
makes use of all the grace, power, virtue that is in him, which alone can command it, and does do it, which can do all that God's attributes can do, having all God's attributes, wisdom, power, mercy, and so on, to use and manage and set a work for its own and the church's good. Faith of miracles did cast out devils, removed mountains, brought down fire from heaven and healed diseases. But justifying faith does more. It is the greatest wonder in the world. It resists Satan, quenches all his darts, bears the stress of all temptations, overcomes the world, and therefore itself must needs be difficult. I might demonstrate this to you by comparing faith with all other works to be wrought as necessary to salvation. We will only set it by that which of all others is the easiest, and that is to humble men and pull down their plumes and proud thoughts. When men think themselves to be rich and have need of nothing, then to see themselves poor and blind and miserable and naked, how hard is it? What towers does self-righteousness erect? What high thoughts are elevated by self-flattery, and how strongly does carnal reason fortify all these? How many weapons of warfare is God prepared, and does he use to batter these down? And how many shifts and shelters and burrows has a heart to fly to? And until this be stopped, a heart is not taken, and to stop all these is out of the power, wisdom, and foresight of any man. And it must be the Spirit that does it. Now, if this be so difficult, then to bring men to believe must be much more, for besides all this forementioned is but to prepare for believing. And if all this must be done to prepare the way for Christ, what difficulty is it to bring Christ into the heart? And indeed, if then it were easy and Christ would come alone, yet inasmuch as a work that makes way for it is so difficult, in that respect, if no other faith might be said to be difficult also, yet, besides all this, is but destroying and pulling down, and we see in the works of art which men are able to do, it is easier to destroy than to build up, to wound than to heal, to cut and break off from the old stock, than to engraft into the new, to slay than to make alive and bring a new soul in. And yet such is a work of faith in comparison of the other. And moreover, thus to humble men there is much assistance in a man's own heart to further it. There is a conscience in him not capable only, but ready to convince him if he would but hear it speak. There is manner enough might be picked and alleged out of his heart and life to condemn him, and persuade him that his estate is miserable and damnable if but produced. And therefore at the day of death it is so easy to persuade men to such thoughts, and at the day of judgment they will be easily convinced. And this state of sin and wrath is a common condition of all men, and which surely every man's wants, so as it is a wonder it should be so hard to convince men of it. 
For to pull down this house should seem to be a matter of no great difficulty, for it is ruinous, and apt to fall of itself. Nay, would fall, but for false supports put under it to hold it up. But to bring men to believe there is no principle in men that has any power to give assistance to it, but it must be wrought anew. There is nothing to be raised out of what is in a man's self that can give any ground for it, for it is founded upon nothing in a man's self. And it is a condition but a few to obtain Christ and this precious faith, for all men have not faith, nor never had, nor never shall, because it is the faith of God's elect. Number four, to empty out of a man's heart his false faith. And to convince him he is an unbeliever, how hard it is. The Spirit must convince the world of unbelief, John 16, verse 9. The law? Is it required not faith? So it discovers not unbelief. As it is a sin against the gospel, so the gospel discovers it. And it is a sin still that lurks and makes no noise, for it shows not itself in positive acts is envy, uncleanness, and so on, but in a privative way, and so goes quietly on, steals the heart away from God and Christ, and by a bare doing nothing, does all, and gives way to the rain and stir of all lusts, which therefore are perceived, but not it. If therefore to convince a heart of unbelief be so difficult, which yet is in the heart already, then to bring in faith, to make faith anew in the heart must be much more difficult. And if to cause a heart to see faith when it is wrought cost so many years search and many poor souls, what is it? To work it. But to let such as these and many other demonstrations go, we will reduce the main grounds that may demonstrate this difficulty of effecting faith in the heart. To these two heads, number one, let us consider what is done by God for a man in heaven without him when faith is wrought. Number two, what inability and obstacles there are to the work of faith within a man. Number one, if the difficulty lay only in regard of what was to be wrought in us, it were enough, as the second head will abundantly discover. But besides this, at the bestowing faith, and at the celebration of this great union by faith between Christ and us, there must be a special consent and concurrence and joint meeting of all three persons in the Trinity when this match is made. As God called a council when he made man, let us make man, he says, Genesis 1. So there is a solemn a council called of all the three persons when this new man is made and especially at the work of faith, for then Christ is bestowed. Conjunctions of sun and moon are not every day, especially not in one climate, especially not great conjunctions of the planets. Now, it is at a great conjunction of the whole trinity, and when their special consent is that Christ shall be bestowed upon such a soul, it is then only, and at such a time that faith is wrought, and in such a soul only, though Christ be offered at other times by his ministers with warrant from God, 
yet. At that time, when faith is wrought, he must be actually given to you, and not for you only. He was given for you from the beginning of the world and upon the cross, but now he is actually given to you and you to him. The Father, as the Father stands by and says in heaven, Son, I give this soul to you to wed and betroth to yourself forever. Take him and own him as your own from everlasting. And therefore Christ says in John 6, verse 37, All that the Father gives me shall come to me. A deed of gift and a delivery is passed by God the Father of the soul into Christ's hands, and of Christ to the soul by him also. Take, says God, this Christ my son for yours, with all that he and I am worth. There is a giving of Christ before the soul receives him, and a giving in the present time as distinguishing it from that which was from everlasting. And Jesus Christ, as a loving husband, bestows himself and embraces the poor soul as his, which he had formerly redeemed by his blood, but hitherto had lived without him. He apprehends or embraces the soul first ere we apprehend him, Philippians 3.12. As he loved us first, ere we loved him, so he must apprehend us first, ere we can apprehend him. And therefore, our apprehension of him by faith is to apprehend that for which we are apprehended. We give up ourselves to Christ, and because he gives himself first to us. And then, furthermore, Christ puts forth his arm from heaven, namely, the Holy Ghost, as a joiner together of both and who is called the arm of God, in working faith, Isaiah 53, 1. He is sent into the heart, Galatians 4, 6. And he creates hands in us to comprehend Christ again, who apprehends us and to embrace him in the promise who has now embraced us, Hebrews 11, verse 13. And gladly to embrace him, and not to let him go. And having him now in hand, we have manuduction. We are led by the hand of by Christ to the Father through the Spirit, Ephesians 2.18, who therefore joined our hands together. Now, to get all the three persons thus joined at once effectually, and actually to bestow Christ and the Spirit of faith upon a man is not within any man's command. God indeed stands ready to do it, at all times when the word is preached and Christ offered, but actually thus to do it, this is rare. It is not accomplished to the elect at all times, not till the fullness of time of calling comes, and not to any other but them. Faith is a receiving Christ, and until the time comes that the Father actually bestows Christ on you, you cannot receive him. And he must put his hand into your hands too, John 3.27. A man can receive nothing unless it be given him from heaven, and that you do receive him, and have a heart to do it. This must be given you. And however men may think the least obstacle of faith to lie in this, because God is ready to do all this to every man when the gospel is preached, yet... When Christ gives a reason why some believe not, and others did, he resolves it into this, John 6, verses 36 and 37, I said to you that you have seen me, and believe not. Why? 
All that the Father gives me shall come to me. In verse 64, given the reason why Judas believed not, therefore it was, he says, I spake to you of this given of the Father, both of you to me and me to you, and a faith to you to come to me. And this is a reason why the elect have not faith at all times wrought. There is a fullness of time for drawing and knitting a soul to Christ as there was for Christ to take flesh. And can you appoint the time of this their meeting? Can you send forth and have you power of calling this great general council together when you will? Can you move God to give his son at this time to you, the Christ now to take possession of you? No, all is a gift, and actually then bestowed, though given afore when faith is wrought. This match must be concluded in heaven ere in your heart and in the Father. They must say amen to it. The Son amen to it and the Holy Ghost amen to it ere your heart can say amen to it. And therefore do not think that it is an easy matter to believe. Number two, if you consider what inability, yea, what obstacles are in the heart itself savingly to believe, you will grant it is difficult. First, there is nothing in the heart to help towards it. But secondly, there is all in the heart and without the heart against it. There is nothing in the heart that induces it to believe. There is no principle to promote it and help it forwards. First, to clear this, consider that it is true, as all grant, that we have a remote capability We have faculties wherein this faith may be engrafted, so that God shall not need to add a new faculty into the soul. But this will, an understanding of ours, which was apprehensive and conformable to the law, is the same which is to apprehend Christ, and to be made conformable to the obedience of faith. And the same natural faculties are the subjects of both. There doesn't need to be a new finger to be added to the hand to apprehend Christ with, and there are no more faculties in the soul when it is regenerated than when it was in unbelief, only they are endued with new powers and abilities. Secondly, but yet some affirm, and those such as are godly and judicious, great divines, that... Though new faculties are not added, yet the understanding and will of Adam in a state even of pure nature lack that habit or principality in which believers are enabled to believe in Christ. To believe and put trust in God as a faithful creator he had power to do, but not in Christ as a mediator. So, that is the way of salvation by Christ is new and contrary to that in which Adam was to attain to life. So there must be a new principle to attain it, a new spring which may turn the stream of all the faculties from looking to be saved by doing, to which they naturally tend, and which might direct a man to glorify God by believing. It is a new instinct to carry the soul of itself to Christ, as before it was carried out to works. It's a law of faith, and the law of works are different, Romans 3 verse 27, and this law of faith is a new law, so it was not written in Adam's heart. This assertion, I confess, if it could be clearly proved, would argue faith to be exceeding difficult indeed, as being not only out of the reach and power of corrupt nature, but out of pure nature also. But this I will now dispute. Thirdly, however, 
Whether it was Anna Adams' power to believe or not, yet sure I am that the objects propounded to be believed are of a higher difficulty, infinitely higher than any which that state was capable of. Adam, in innocency, could not have been so hard and sublime a task and exercise as to believe in Christ is, and all his other lessons given him to learn were easy in comparison of this. So that suppose we have no other principles than what we had before in Adam, yet this faith is a difficulter piece of service than he was set about. For example, for Adam to believe that God made him in the world, which is a point of faith to him as well as to us, though the world was not six days standing, for the making of it was not a thing to him seen, and therefore it is reckoned as an act of faith, Hebrews 11.3. This is easy in comparison of our believing God himself to be made man and to come down into the world clothed with our frailties. This would have put all the faith in him to stand and made him stretch his eye strings for the angels themselves put out their necks to behold it. So to believe that the soul that sins shall die, that on that day he did eat of the forbidden fruit, he must die the death, was easy for him. For if by doing he lived, he might well believe that by transgressing he should die. And yet, his faith was easily overturned in this. He believed it not long, and therefore fell. But to believe that God would give, or has given his son to death, and that God would make him sin who knew no sin, this would have staggered and amazed his faith. So for him to believe that whilst he pleased God in all things, he should continue in his favor and live by doing so and be justified by it was easy. For his own sense of God's love brought into his heart and maintained by obedience might persuade him to it. And he had a sacrament of the tree of life to confirm him in it. And God's remunerative justice might assure it to him. But to believe that God will and does justify an ungodly person, and account him as righteous as the angels, would well nigh have posed if not nonplussed his faith. And further, to believe that when that ungodly person to be justified has not one dram of power to please God with, yet he ought to live in another, and to have a principle of life and grace out of himself, and to have his life and abilities hid in another, fetched from another who lives in him, and all to be fetched by believing, this would have been a paradox in Adam's divinity and would well nigh have overthrown it, for it crossed and contradicted the faith which he had in that his estate, which is maintained by a stock of grace and himself committed to his own hands to dispose of. As the psalmist said, I thought to understand this, and it was too high for me. So, may I say, when he should have attempted to believe this, he would have found load enough to charge his faith with, if it had not been too high for him. When our Savior Christ, in John 3, conferred with Nicodemus about the easy and most familiar things which concern salvation, the truth of which even earthly light might convince him of, is that what is born of the flesh is flesh, and therefore corrupt man's nature is so, Nature and sense might have instructed him in all this, and a further truth also, namely, that therefore if ever this nature enters heaven, it must be changed and born again, and that image which at first was lost, 
must be restored. He that heard of the state of innocency would have easily ascended to this, that the same image must be renewed ere God accepts us. And yet this sets Nicodemus' mind in an uproar. John 3.12 And yet these things Christ tells him were but earthly in comparison. Well, and if you believe not these, he says, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? Now, What were the heavenly things but the truths of the gospel which are necessary to be believed, which Christ brought down from heaven because they had never grown in Adam's garden, who was a man of the earth earthly, and he instances in some of them in the following verses, he instances in the human and divine nature of Christ, and their union in the doctrine of faith, and in being cured by believing on him as they in the wilderness were by the brazen serpent. Instances in that amazing thing also that God should so love the world as to give his only begotten Son that whoever believes on him should not perish. Now, to believe these things and the like things must be by a power derived from heaven. But fourthly, I am sure that whether Adam had such a power, yea or no, then, yet now in corrupt nature it is utterly lost and gone. For besides the general reason that the whole image of God is lost, there was a special reason why he should lose this of faith above any other part, for he fell by unbelief. And therefore all the ruins fell upon that arm and broke it all to pieces. The special guilt of that sin shattered that part of God's image all to shivers. We are shut up under unbelief. Romans 9.11.32 And faith is a way out of that miserable condition we are in, when the door is locked and barred by unbelief, and we cannot open it, nor shoot, nor break open the lock. To believe but the law of Moses, how hard is it? And though men have a conscience in which the law is written by nature, yet Christ tells the Pharisees, John 5, verse 47, that they did not truly believe Moses. How hardly are men brought to believe the threatenings, especially with application, when yet they are thundered out against all, and there is a guilt tells us that we deserve death who do such things. Romans 1.32 Much more hardly are men brought to believe the promises which belong but to a few. If you believe not Moses' writing, says Christ, how shall you believe my words? John 5.47 He argues from the minor to the greater. Did I say to believe the law? I may say that to do the whole law exactly is as easy as to believe savingly in Christ. This is a received maxim among all divines, and despairing Francis Byra yet set his seal to it out of woeful experience. When he spoke these words, You command me to believe? I say I cannot. Your command is as impossible to me as to keep the moral law.